have been with us the last few weeks and, and pray they continue on. I'm telling you what, I just believe that uh, I'm a poor, poor rich man. <laughs> How many feel that way tonight or this morning? I'm a poor, rich man. Got a home in the sky that money just can't buy. I'm a poor, poor, rich man. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to share with you briefly from the Word of God. Just, uh, he said, Preacher, you're going to have to repent. As you said briefly, yeah, God knows my heart. I'm, I'm going to try to make it brief this morning, but I believe that it's a very timely message that God has spoken uh, to my heart. And it not only will cover a life, it'll cover a church, it'll cover a nation. I believe that no matter what we're dealing with, what we're faced with, we should be anchored in a peace, in a peace. I don't think God intends for us as Christians to be worrying every day, frantically worrying about things. Not when we know what he just sung about. We're not going to be here forever. I don't believe God intends for us to live that way. I believe God intends for us to live in faith. We're a people of hope, a people of faith, a people of promise. How many feel that way this morning? I've met people in my life that were so sure of a lot of things. Really, have. they were sure of whatever it was they were doing. They were sure of whatever it was they believed in. And it could be dead wrong, but they were sure of it. I believe the people of God ought to be just as sure of the word of God and God and their relationship with God as this world is sure of the perils of their own agenda. What we see happening in America today is not pretty. But we should not stand as if we were taken by surprise. I remember preaching it. I'm sure bishops preached it many, many years ago. I, I'm not lost. I, I just feel sharing something real quick from my heart. I remember many years ago, preachers warning us of what we would face here in America. I remember that. And it was many years ago, but I remember it. And now that it's happened, it's kind of taken a lot of people by surprise. It's shaken a lot of people. But it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. Not the church. The church shouldn't be afraid. It really shouldn't. We should be a people of faith. I see what, how many sees what's happening? You've watched the news. How many sees what's happening? It's happening. And if you don't think Jesus is coming soon, I can't tell you when he's coming. Now, the Bible said there'll be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places. Pestilence, disease, but the end is not yet. 
Can't tell you when it's going to be, but I believe that soon, the Bible said, as we see all these things begin to take place, look up for our redemption draws nigh. Come on, somebody. We're closer to heaven than we've ever been. I said we're closer to heaven than we've ever been. We're closer home than we've ever been. And that ought to be exciting for us. I remember uh, my uncle many years ago, I'm gonna preach in just a minute, but I remember my uncle many years ago was overseas serving uh, in the military and I remember my daddy saying we were waiting on him to come home. And we'd get out there at the gate of the home place and we'd look down what now is a gravel road, it's a paved road, but back then it was a dirt road. Y'all remember those dirt roads? And they'd look down there, they'd look to see when he was going to be coming round the corner. They were excited because Uncle John was coming home that day. They kept looking until finally they saw him. I'm telling you, you better keep looking up because soon you're going to see him. He's, my goodness, somebody ought to shout amen. Keep looking. He's coming. Keep looking up. Jesus is coming. Soon, stand with me as we turn to the Word of God, Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse twelve through fourteen. I want to share with you from this thought today: getting positioned for progress. Getting positioned for progress. With what I just said in mind, we don't have time to spin our wheels. We've got things to do, oh, and in the midst of it all. We must be positioned, getting positioned for progress. The Bible said in the scriptures, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father, we thank you. God, that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary and let your word go forth uh, and accomplish that which you send it forth to accomplish. And Lord, let every heart and every life, the Lord, have a need met spiritually, physically. And Father, whatever the need may be, before they leave this place, uh, as they hear your word uh, and they receive it with joy. In Jesus' name, everybody said glory and amen. Look at somebody around you and tell them, I'm glad you're here. You're a poor rich man. Getting positioned for progress. I shared with you just a few moments on what I feel is the current state of it all. And as I begin to look into the scripture, I see a very precious dominating hope and factor. I want to take my time just a minute and just say, I want to thank the Lord. 
because he always makes a way where there seems to be no way. He is truly, as I sung earlier, a way maker. He is a promise keeper. He is a God who will not fail. Many people say, well, I can't agree with that completely, preacher, because I've seen some things that I had hoped God would do that he didn't necessarily do in my life. Let me tell you, God will not fail us. We may fail him, but he never will fail us. We may be disappointed in how God meets our needs sometimes, but the fact is God will take care of you through every day all of the way. Amen. And I'm grateful this morning to know that God is a way maker and that at any point in my life where I find trouble or I find temptation, I also have an anchor of hope in his word that I attach my faith to that causes me to continue to look to him, the author and the finisher of my faith. As we read this scripture, if you go back to chapter 6, you see that Solomon is dedicating, uh, not just dedicating, he's praying a prayer of dedication of the temple unto the Lord. And the scripture says that Solomon is praying for God's mercy over the people of Israel because he knew that they had sinned. And he knew of the condition and the circumstances that were before him. But Solomon also knew, he knew that God was the answer. And at the completion of the temple, he is praying for mercy in chapter 6 and praying for God's intervention into the kingdom of Israel. I wish that the United States, Republicans and Democrats and all alike would hear what I'm about to say right now. Our nation needs God. I don't want to get political. I'm not trying to build a stage. But I'm telling you, Solomon knew it back then. And he understood the importance of God being there. Amen. In the midst of Israel. Not just because he was creator, but because God was a merciful God. How many knows today that your God is a merciful God? Oh, you can, you can just give him glory right now because some of you know what he's done for you. Some of you know how he's brought you out. Some of you know where you've been and how God has brought. I don't know about you, but I know if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where I would be today. I'm grateful today because he brought me out of some mighty low places. He, by his wonderful grace, you want to ask me, do I need him? You better believe I need him. I need him every hour. I need him every moment. I need him every day. I need him in the night. I need him when the enemy's troubling me. In my spirit, I need him. I need him when the enemy comes like a flood. I need him. His mercy. Goodness, I feel the spirit of God in this place. I need him. Some of you know what it's like to rejoice for whom the Bible said is forgiven much, 
they love much. For some have been forgiven little and they've not yet broken the threshold of love that God is asking for. When he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength and love thy neighbor as thyself. I come to tell somebody, if you've ever been delivered by the hand of your God, you ought to shout, thank you, Jesus, right now. And Solomon knew, I feel a different anointing here this morning. Solomon knew that they needed Jesus. They needed God in the kingdom of God. As he's dedicating the temple in prayer in chapter 6, he begins to go forth in acts of sacrifice in the beginning of chapter 7 as they bring the sacrifices unto God. And then after he's prayed the prayer of dedication and they've gone through and they've performed the acts of of sacrifice unto the Lord, the Lord finally says unto him in the night, anybody ever had the Lord speak to you in the middle of the night? He just woke you up. You've been praying about something and all of a sudden your answer came. Solomon woke up in the middle of the night as the Lord spoke to him and he said, I've heard your prayer. I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Then he goes on to say, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence unto my people. Oh, he said, Solomon, here's your answer. When I bring correction to the land, this is the answer. Hear what I'm about to say. When I bring amen, judgment to the land. Here is the answer. America, you need to listen and listen well. When God sends judgment, the Bible said this is the remedy for the judgment that I'm sending upon the land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Somebody ought to give him glory. What that says to me is in the midst of it all, there's a way out. What that says to me is when there's paths that have been taken that were not paths of God, that God says there is a way back to me. There's a way back to the right path. There's a way back to the path of progress. There's a way back to the path of anointing. There's a way back to the path of Pentecost. There's a way back to the of a move of God that will shake the foundations of this community. He'll turn looters into worshipers. He'll turn the brokenness. My God, somebody shout amen. There is a way. Oh, let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Come on, somebody. They're burning down buildings and shaking up cities 
and turning, amen, evil for evil. But I'm telling you, God said there's a path back. I tell somebody there's a way to get back on the paths of hope. There's a way in your family to get back on the paths of hope. There's a way for your church to remain standing on the sustaining hope of God in the paths of righteousness. There is, I come, there is a path of hope today that the generations have embraced time and time again. I believe in the mountains of North Carolina all the way to Azusa Street. Somewhere in the midst of it all, this scripture was ringing through the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl that made their way into the presence of God because they said, I can't go on like this any longer. I want more of God. Solomon knew. I thought an organ was about to play. I thought I heard an organ. I was fixing to say, don't y'all do it. Solomon knew. How many knew this morning how important God is? And not just on Sunday. You need him in your home. You need him in the school. We need him in the church. We need him in the White House. We need him in Congress. We need him when they're having funerals and somebody's heart's broken. We need him to bring peace and not diversity. When somebody's lost a loved one, they need God and his wonderful peace. At a time when people can take the stage and use that stage to create diversity, let me tell you, Blessed are the peacemakers. This is a message every church should be preaching. This is a message every Christian should be sharing. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh God, I feel your Holy Ghost. Ah, I've seen many in the name of Jesus continue to create diversity. All in the name of Jesus. But I got news for you. Jesus didn't come to create havoc and chaos. He came, amen, to bring unity and to bring... He came to bring people to a place of saving knowledge. If that meant by knowing him, it would cause diversity between those who would not accept him to come to an understanding of how much they needed him, that he was the only way. Sons have turned against fathers and daughters against mothers and so much is being fulfilled today. But Jesus is still the answer for every problem, every circumstance He didn't come to destroy. But I gotta gotta move on. I said I was gonna be brief. Y'all give me one more hour. His response requires our action. His response requires our action. 
as Solomon heard the word of God, these were the words that were spoken. He said, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves, we need humility toward God again. Uh, this is the spirit in which God requires us to look upon him. Uh, he requires us to look upon him in humility. It is a right position toward God, not an entitlement position. It's not a position that we come to God or a spirit in which we come to God with an attitude of pride. But it's a humility in which we come to God that does not manipulate or have a manipulative mindset, but it comes with a knowledge of his sovereign lordship in our life. God is saying, I require you to understand that I'm God. And I'll have no other gods before me. I require you to have an understanding. If you're going to come before me, then you're going to come before me in humility. You're going to come before me in a right spirit. You're not going to come to me with no attitude. You're going to come to me with an understanding of who I am. I am creator. I'm the author. I'm the finisher. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm everything. Amen. And because you're standing on what I created and you're breathing because I created you, you need to come to me in humility and understanding understand that I'm God. God is a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a graceful God. But he's also a God that, that, that requires reverence. Don't we know he has the power to judge? Don't we know that he has the power to sentence? Don't we know that he has the power to carry out every sentence? Even Jesus said, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do to you. He said, but I'll show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast you into hell. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. You say, well, preacher, you're preaching like you're mad. No, I'm preaching like it's important this morning. Fear God today. This nation needs to fear God again. People need to fear God again. The church needs to fear God again. Society needs to fear God again. There was a time that nobody would burn a church down or break into it, much less because they feared God. It's time to fear God again. Time to fear God again. Solomon declared in Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2 that pride would come and then would come disgrace but with humility would come wisdom. When you come before God in humility, that's wise. Solomon declared it was wise. Why? Because pride puffs up. Pride displaces a right position toward God. I don't know, maybe y'all wasn't raised in the same house I was raised in. But if I came to my parents demanding with an attitude, that wasn't a good thing. 
That's right, smack, crackle, and sometimes then pop. I learned how to reverence them. I learned how to come before them. If I could learn how to come before them who were also made from the dust, how much more should I know how to go before God who made us from the dust? and breathe life into us. Pride displaces position toward God. Pride precedes destruction and assures a fall. As Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, pride refuses to yield the right of way. That ain't what he said, but that's what I said. He said it this way, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In other words, pride refuses to yield the right of way. Pride goes before God in a spirit of displacement that does not honor him or revere him for who he is. The spirit of humility sees a real reality of our frailty. In other words, let me put it this way. Compared to God, we ain't nothing. We're nothing I remember hearing my grandmother years ago say, I'm nothing without God. I said, Grandmama, the older I get, the more I realize how true that is. When you're young, you think you got control of everything, but the older you get and you start hitting life, you realize we ain't nothing without God. Now I'm getting to a place where I can't just sleep it off. I'm not talking about a drunk, I'm talking about a pain. Sometimes I can't sleep off a body ache and get up the next morning and go like I used to. Amen, I'm starting to realize I'm nothing without God. Who is man that he is mindful of us. I'm nothing without God. I begin to realize as David said in Psalm 8 verse 3 and 4, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Compared to God, we are nothing. But thank God that because he has given us a promise we don't have to die a nothingless death and leave without hope in this life we can anchor and take our nothingness and join with by faith to his love and his grace and we can become amen the children of God with the favor of God in our life and we may in the natural be nothing but in the spirit we become sons and daughters of God in humility I am a child of God. Hallelujah today. Abraham realized when he was looking over into the lands where Lot had pitched his tent and the Lord was speaking with him. He would say, Lord, if there be 50, will you save them? And he continued to have conversation with God along those lines. And then in Genesis chapter 18, verse 27, the Bible said, Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I am but dust and ashes. I'm nothing. But I'm coming to speak to you, Lord. He came in humility. 
and we must have the right frame of mind. God says, come. He said, come in humility. Humble yourself. And then he says, prayer. A right prayer is one that has a foundation of humility. God is instructing Solomon concerning the people of God to pray. Ain't that something? God is asking you to pray. Somebody says, well, I don't feel like praying. I don't know if God's hearing me. God's the one asking you to pray. God desires your prayers. He looks for you to show up into the place of prayer in your life. He says in 2 Chronicles chapter 13, when I shut up heaven and there's no rain or I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people because of who he is, he alone can bring victory. Somebody ought to hear what I'm saying. God said, as I said before, when there's a problem, prayer is the answer. Give him praise. When you see a problem, prayer is the answer. Oh, when you see a problem, God says, I want you to know that I'm here. I'm waiting on you. Amen. How many knows he's just as present as a prayer away? Amen. God is just as present in our lives that when there's trouble, we ought to understand that God is saying, I prepared a place of prayer for you. I prepared a place where you can find favor. I prepared a place where you can find hope. I prepared a place where, as Brother Mills used to sing, I can turn this thing around for you in your life. I come to tell somebody he is a God of turnaround. He is a God. God didn't just say just when you see these things just go ahead and drink yourself to death and carouse yourself to death and Loot yourself to death and protest yourself to death. I understand peaceful protesting. But I've seen more sign holding up about what ought to change than I had prayer meetings happening. You're being judgmental. God's called us to prayer. It's okay to hold up a sign. It's okay to peacefully protest. It's okay to point out what the enemy's doing. But God's called us to prayer. Because no matter how many signs we hold up or how many interventions we try to make, we can't do it without God. We need his intervention in our country today. Black lives matter, white lives matter, every life matters. And when I say that, I'm not speaking against any culture. But what I'm saying is this, race ends at the cross. When you find Jesus, you no longer see color, you no longer look. I come to tell somebody, you'll never stamp it out. We have a race problem, then you need to race to the cross where God himself is able to transition. I give him glory today. Amen. 
Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Come on now. Makes us love one another. Lord, forgive me, I was trying to be brief. Prayer is where God's calling us. Prayer is a place we ought to show up because of an invitation. I'm almost through, but just listen. Then he goes on to say, seek my face. Seek my face. Pray and seek my face. A lot of folk praying, but they ain't seeking his face. They're praying, but they're not seeking his face. What does that mean? Pray and seek my face. Don't just pray some ritual prayer without heart. Pray with heart. Pray with passion. Pray with desire. The Hebrew word for for seeking his face, that literal word face means seeking the presence of God. Why Why would he say this? Because it's not enough just to talk. It's not enough just to pray. You got to go beyond that. You got to pray with a desire to seek the face of God because the face of God is a revelation of everything that God is and what God asks for and what God requires. And I don't know about you, but, but I, I'm serving a God who is everything. From his will to his grace to his love, you'll find it as you seek his face or seek his presence. God's presence or his his holiness is often blinded our human eyes or, or spiritual eyes because of the human condition of fleshly desires. Sometimes we don't see the face of God because life is happening. And that's what happened with the children of Israel. Little by little, they'd find themselves turning from God and God would send judgment. God would send correction because he was trying to turn them back to the place where they would seek him, where they would seek after him. God desired to be there with them. If we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. Do y'all believe that? I want us to change our mindset of what we do every week now. Instead of us looking at coming to church as coming to church, let us look at it as an opportunity to draw near to God. An opportunity not just to hear a good song and a sermon, but an opportunity to draw near to God.
to come with the right spirit to come with a humility and to come with a prayer to come not with an attitude well God you see I'm here again but come with an attitude of thank you Lord you've given me the privilege of being here again I thank you that I can walk in again I thank you that I can worship you again I thank you that I can hear your word again because some people have died and they don't have the privilege anymore of hearing what we're hearing somebody I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. We must seek his presence because it's his presence that changes our lives, calms our fears, changes our hearts, gives us clarity on our journey, protects us in times of temptation. If you will, please. And then he says, turn, turn. I remember, I always talk about remembering years ago. I thank God I can still remember. Right now, some things I'm starting to forget, and Brother Ronald's over there laughing about it because he knows what I'm talking about. Oh, I like to have fun. But I remember going to work one morning, I was pastoring down in South Carolina. Worked a job, and I used to turn the radio on a little gospel station there. And sometimes I'd listen to it on my way. And they had a fella come on there. His name was Brother Brother Billy Bob or something. And he'd get on there and he'd preach for about thirty seconds to a minute. He'd preach, and boy, if you didn't listen good, you might miss something. But at the end, he said, there's, he, he would say these words. He said, there's no pill like the gospel. It's time to turn before you burn. God said, turn, turn. I think sometimes we, we don't, as a people, as a, as a nation, people struggle with with what do I do? They're waiting on some outer element to do what you have to make a choice to do. Don't get me wrong. Some things we can't do on our own. But the choice we make to turn is where our help begins. The choice we make to say, I'm not doing this anymore. Some of you, maybe not in here, but some of you watching. See, we got to always remember, some of us may sit in here and act like with a preacher. He, he's not really talking about me today. Somebody's listening needs to hear this. And we need to be praying for that person. Somebody needs to go home and say, that's enough. My house ain't going to go this way anymore. We got to turn this thing around. Somebody needs to go to your husband or to your wife and and say this is enough. We've we've got to we've we've got we've got to quit doing what we're doing. We've got to find hope. We got to find resolve. We can't keep tearing each other up. We 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 can't keep uh, being mean to each other. We can't keep abusing each other. It's enough. Some of you need to go to your children out there, Amen, who've been cast aside because uh, of all the busyness of life, uh, and say I got to stop uh, not paying attention to you and not not pouring into you uh, the way I should. I love you. Don't you ever feel like I'm pushing you 
suicide. Something we need to turn some things around. Some uh, some folk need to stop right now and say, "World, you've had too much of my life. Now I'm giving my life back to God. I'm turning this thing around." I'm turning this thing around because God said that we've got to turn from our wicked ways. Psalm chapter 34, verse 14, the Bible said, depart from evil and do good. You can stand with me if you will, please. Coming to a close. Seek peace and pursue it. David even said that. Seek peace and pursue it. Solomon said in Proverbs 14, 16, a wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. You gotta turn. Change direction. If you're going the wrong way, stop. If you're doing the wrong thing, stop. It's a heart choice. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who labor in a heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Quit going on thinking you can fix it or you can turn it around or you can overcome it or you can defeat it. Don't leave this world trying to defeat something only the blood can defeat. Don't leave this world trying to defeat something only the power of God can defeat. We need to humble ourselves, church. Sometimes maybe that's as an individual, as a church, as a people, as a community, and even as a nation. Humble ourselves. We don't need cockiness and arrogance. We need boldness and faith. Amen. We need God. We got to change direction. And this is what God says. If you'll do these things, if you'll, if you'll come to me in humility, if you'll pray and if you'll seek my face and you'll turn from your wicked ways, God says, I'm going to hear you. That's what he says. I'm going to hear you. How many want God to hear you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Give him prayer. I want God to hear me. Most of the time when I'm praying by myself, I generally come to God. The first thing I do is ask God to forgive me. Because I know there ain't no use of me praying, asking God for anything if I got something in my heart and in my life that's not under the blood. Sometimes I know what that is. Sometimes it may not be anything I know. And I ask God to show me if there's anything there. God help me. Forgive me. Because I want God to hear me. And then he says, I will forgive. He's a merciful God. Oh God, you're merciful. I was on my way to hell. But his mercy showed up. I almost said the wrong thing, but thank God his mercy showed up. I almost went down the wrong path, but his mercy showed up. I almost, well, preacher, I didn't just almost, I did. He's merciful today, and he'll hear you if you'll come to him in humility as a nation, as a people, and he will heal 
How many knows that he's able to restore the paths of progress today? How many has felt like, dear God, I've been spinning my wheels. I'm just doing everything I know how to do to survive. I'm at my wit's end. My hair's falling out. I figured I'd get somebody's attention. God is a God of restoration. He's a God of healing. There's no more miserable existence than existing and not going anywhere. I want to grow in the Lord. I want to accomplish in the Lord. I want our nation to quit going backwards. That's what the devil wants you to do, go backwards. So it stirs up all this stuff. I'm not saying it ain't there, but it's stirring it up. Of course, there's a lot of other factors involved in it. Remember yesterday. Well, thank God I don't live according to yesterday. Because if I lived according to how things went in my life, in my past, and stayed back there in yesterday, I'd never be able to come before God in the right way. I'm telling you, God wants us to come before Him in the right spirit. And you know what? There's hope in every condition. There's hope in every circumstance because He is a God who will heal, who will give you mercy, and who will forgive. Touch somebody and tell him that's my Lord. Tell him that's my Lord. Well, we're about to let you go, but just let's just give God a praise right now for who he is in our life. He's a God that stands ready to move in an individual life, in a church, and upon a nation. If we'll just hear what thus says the Lord. Father, I have shared what you've given me. I ask you, Lord, that you have hidden me behind the cross and that you have taken your word today and that you have let it get into the ears and the heart. Maybe, Father, it has brought correction. Maybe it's stirred and renewed and revived and strengthened. Maybe it's edified. Maybe, God, it has caused someone at this point right now to say, I can't go on like this. Father, they need to anchor their faith in the word of God. For whosoever today will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All it requires for you is to come with a repentant heart and to pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life and to get up from that place where you're at, a new creature in Christ, asking him to guide you day by day, to sanctify you and to fill you with the Holy Ghost and to fulfill his purpose in your life. 
Jesus is just that close. Maybe that's what you got from this message. Maybe today you got from this message, you got some, you're in the wrong path today. You ain't necessarily backslid, but you've kind of made some wrong choices. And God said, come on back here. If my people who are called by my name will come on back, humble yourself. Don't, don't try to justify what you've done. Just come back. And say, here I am. Lord, I'm sorry. I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to heal. Lord, we lift up this nation to you, a nation that is in division. It's not in division in the streets alone. It's not in division in the rural areas and in the, the cities and in the country, God, in every state. It's not in division there alone. It's in division in Congress. It's in division in leadership. And God, we know today that a house divided cannot stand. So we ask you, Lord, to speak to the hearts of this nation. Do it through pulpits. Do it through Christians. Do it through religious venues. But most of all, do it by your presence and by prophetic Holy Ghost words spoken into the hearts that would receive it. Do it by breathing God upon fresh and anew this country. And God, I pray that you would protect us from the enemy. Those that are dying innocently, they're dying senselessly because somebody thinks that they can have their agenda passed by doing evil. God, I pray God, would you rise up in every church in this nation and would you be glorified in this nation one more time? Just one more time, Lord. Would you do it? God, we love to see our sons and daughters, many of them on the wrong paths, hooked on drugs, maybe not even believing in you, Lord. They, they've chose not to believe in you, but they're lost in God. Just one more time, would you breathe upon this nation in such a way as to wake up those who are lost in darkness and do it by the power of your sovereign grace and the Holy Ghost in every believer today Father I thank you right now that you're healing I'm going to close in just, just a second but I thank you right now as, as we're praying as a unit as a body Everybody, if you're in agreement with, with, with God healing these needs on our prayer list and prayer requests, just lift your hand up and say amen right now. Amen. God, they, they're in agreement. God, we ask you to, to breathe in your most gracious, most supernatural way your healing virtue onto every life that we've mentioned. And Lord, you be glorified by their turnaround. Father, we'll praise you. And we'll glorify you forevermore. In Jesus' name. Bless this congregation as we leave here today. And let us not be a silent group. But let us be the voices of hope and reason. The voice of God and the gospel through our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Give God one more hand of praise. Our ushers are coming now to dismiss you. We thank you for your patience. We'll try to get you out uh, as quick as we can. You can fellowship outside the doors of the church. We love you, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. As y'all.